Hello friends and welcome back to another episode of the Seems Like Diet Culture podcast. If you are new here, I'm so grateful to have you. My name is Mallory Page. I'm your host and I'm also a registered dietitian. And this podcast is a place where I answer your nutrition and wellness questions in a non-diet lens. So I'll share research, I'll share educated opinions from myself and others, and I even pull from you guys to see what you guys are thinking about either the latest trends or different nutrition and wellness practices that are out there. I am really looking forward, oh my gosh, my freaking cat, Otis! Just come in if you want. If you've been to this podcast or if you've listened to this podcast before, you already know what's going on. Like every time I live in no peace with this animal and yet I simply could not live without him. Anyways, now he's in. So this episode is one that is less focused on actual nutrition and wellness trends and it's more focused on... I would say body trends, which is such a horrible thing to even have to say, right? To think about the fact that our bodies are trends is just so icky. But at the same time, it is the truth, especially as we've seen plastic surgery really increase in popularity. This has happened more and more, but this was even the case years and years and years ago before plastic surgery was a thing. Now, we've talked about the uptick of heroin chic 2000s, 1990s culture lately and how that's influenced nutrition, body trends, wellness trends, etc. I can link that podcast below if you would like to listen to that one. But there is a particular surgery that's going around right now that has really made waves that I want to talk about, which is buccal fat removal. Am I saying that right? Buccal fat or buccal fat? I probably should have looked at this before I did it. Should I I go hear how it sounds before I mispronounce it the whole time? Well, it's a good thing that I went to go look at it because it is pronounced buccal, not either of the things that I said. This is such a me thing to do, guys. If you've read the Harry Potter series, you know that there is a character in there called Jenny. It's Ron's sister. And when I was reading those books when I was younger, and by younger, I wasn't that young, okay? I believe I was in high school. I pronounced Jenny as Guinea because it's spelled G-I-N-N-Y. And this is such a problem for me. I take it too literally. I don't think about how the enunciation of it would sound. And that is a great example with what just happened here. So we're talking about buccal fat removal. And I'm going to go through and explain more about what this is, why people do it, how people do it, the risks of it. And then we're going to go into the discussion portion about this because there's a lot more to take away from this trend than what meets face value. And there's been circulation of opinions and thoughts on what this means in the greater conversations about women's bodies. And that's something that we really like to discuss here on this podcast, because I want you guys to feel confident as you weather these different challenges that come up around the pressure to change your body. So let's get into it. What the heck is buccal fat removal? If you're like me, you may see these trends on social media 
and then ask yourself, what the heck is this? The first time I saw this, I did not know what it is. And it was actually popularized by Chrissy Teigen. Now, I'm not going to say that Chrissy Teigen is the one that started this whole movement. I think people were probably doing this much before her, but I should say that for me, the first person I heard talk about this was Chrissy Teigen. And what they do is they're removing this fat pad underneath your cheekbone. So the buckle fat pad sits right below your cheekbones and everyone. And it actually serves as a cushion to protect neurovascular structures from external forces. This is such a goes to show moment that every single thing in your body has a purpose. Even if it's removable, it doesn't mean that there's no purpose to it being there. It also does play an important role in facial aesthetics. And that's where the surgery comes in because the goal with buckle fat removal is to reveal more prominent cheekbones. It's right under there. And those may be masked by these more pronounced buckle fat pads. And this will help you to achieve a more angular looking face. So how I see this when I picture it in my mind is if you were to like, I just did it, suck your cheeks in. You know how you do that as a kid to make yourself look like a fish? That is what this kind of looks like to me. Not to the same extreme, but if you were to look at the people that have become kind of the faces of this surgery, whether they want to or not, and whether they actually got this done or not, that is kind of the look it gives me. So some people that have allegedly gotten this include Bella Hadid, Leah Michelle, Miley Cyrus, Amelia Hamlin, as I said, Chrissy Teigen, and honestly, a ton of other people. Now, some of those people have admitted to doing this and some have not admitted to doing it, but people speculate that all of those people that I mentioned have. Whenever I think about celebrities doing surgeries, I then think about the turnaround and the impact on their career. So, for example, if you get a double jaw surgery... That has pretty long-standing effects on your appearance, even if you're a celebrity and have access to all the money in the world and the support in the world. It's still going to affect how you look for a long time, and it's quite an invasive surgery. So when it comes to buckle fat, it brings the question up of, okay, well, how invasive is this? How long does it take? Et cetera, et cetera. So this is quite a simple procedure in comparison to others because it's just a small incision in your cheeks. It's just general anesthesia and most patients are even awake for it. So that's something that people can very easily do, kind of sweep under the rug, recover from quickly, and then act like this is just a normal look. So although it's alleged that Bella Hadid got this, You could see how easy it would be for her to go in, get this surgery done, rest for a couple of days, then get back to modeling. It's not going to make this huge impact on her career, and it's not even something she would have to admit. Something to keep in mind with this procedure, though, is although it's not that invasive, it's still $5,000 to $20,000, which is a pretty freaking penny. The price depends mostly on, like, location, surgeon experience level, facility fees, all of the different stuff. But this isn't just pocket change that you're throwing out there. This is definitely an expensive procedure. 
And whenever we're talking about any type of procedure, whether it be plastic surgery or something else or filler or Botox, there are always going to be risks. So with buccal fat pad removal, the complication rate is between 8.4 and 18%. You could deal with infection at the incision site. You could have injury to facial nerves, numbness or sensation changes, asymmetry, peritoid duct, which is a salivary gland injury, hematoma, which is a blood clot, trismus, which is when your jaw muscles become so tight that you can't open your mouth, and then premature aging. Now, this is where things get really interesting. So, buccal fat pads actually lose volume as you age, as does all the fat in your face. And therefore, when you remove the fat prematurely from your face, it can actually cause you to look older than you are, given that atrophied buccal fat pads are associated with an older age. And the kicker of this is that there is no way to reverse buccal fat pad removal. So all those risks kept in mind, let's jump to this irreversible nature of the surgery. Because when there's no way to restore the buccal fat, you have to recognize the long-term effects that doing a surgery like this could have. Now, when we talk about celebrities and people that have access to exorbitant amounts of money, of course, there are easy ways for them to kind of cheat the system, right? So they can get filler, they can get fat injections, they could do fat grafts to try to appear in a similar way to before, but it's not like a boob job where you can put in an implant and then remove that implant. You can't just put back in those buccal fat pads at a later time, so it would be artificially creating a similar type of look, and When it comes to a lot of these things, such as filler, fat injections, and fat grafts, these are actually common anti-aging procedures. Because of what I was explaining earlier about atrophied buccal fat pads and older age, people are really looking at the opposite of the buccal fat removal as a way to maintain their youth. So already we're seeing the contradictory nature of engaging in this type of removal or addition of fat in your face. And it really starts to have us questioning, why is it that people are doing this surgery? What is it that is attracting people to this at this point in time? And why is it trendy? At face value, these trends can seem random. Some people even find them to be harmless. And maybe people think, oh, well, it's just come about from one person changing it, which in some way the latter is true. So there's actually a Cut article or an article by The Cut, which says the big dissolve. They blew out their faces. Now they're melting them down. This came out on February 1st of 2023. And the article basically depicts how in the past, people all came in wanting to look like Kylie Jenner and now they all want to look like Bella Hadid. So over those 10 years that people were getting filler when Kylie Jenner was the moment, the look, what people wanted to achieve, people were often looking a bit pillowy. Someone even described it as almost baby-like, younger. Now people are more looking to be 
more snatched and cut. And there's also been these challenges that have come up with filler to go along with this to really pronounce the movement of people no longer wanting to have as much of that type of filler look. I don't know if you guys have seen this type of stuff on TikTok, but I'll have stuff come up on my TikTok of people discussing how their lip filler has migrated or they had problems with getting under eye filler and how it's moved somewhere else or how their skin doesn't feel the same or they've tried to get it dissolved and they had complications. And 10 years ago, we didn't actually know as many of the negative side effects to it. Many people and many doctors said that filler was relatively harmless or there were low side effects. And this is the typical trend when we see wellness practices, nutrition, body image stuff, surgeries, that we never know the intimate struggles of it when it's first starting out the same way that we do years down the line. Now, of course, with the whole Bella Hadid versus Kylie Jenner thing, it gives us some of an idea of why this is coming about, but I would argue that the picture is much bigger than this. When we were talking about fillers, there was a lot of this focus at the time of consumption, The world that we were living in focused a lot on consumption of different items. The economy was relatively going well at that time for many of those years. People wanted more maximalist, especially in the last couple years or so before this one, when it was BBLs, boob jobs, fillers, everything to make yourself more luxurious, more voluptuous, that was the focus. And it was all about, in some ways, putting forward this quote-unquote perfect image as well that aligned with the body image standards at the time. As I've discussed already on this podcast, what we have been seeing lately is that we're falling into something that is more similar to a recession. So there is a lot of de-influencing, going back to basics, going to minimalism, making things more simplistic, less makeup, less plastic surgery, less, 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 less. People want to look effortless now. And to go along with this, one of the main times that we look back on and we think, oh, that was so effortless, that was so simple, is especially in the 90s when there were a lot of basics and that was the focus and there was also not a ton of plastic surgery in the same way that we see it now. Of course, there still was, but there wasn't quite the consumption of it in the same way. And so as we shift back into that and combine that with somewhat of the heroin chic type of mindset, we see people naturally wanting to be smaller, to be more gaunt, to be more snatched, as I was saying earlier. And that lends itself to this idea of buccal fat or buccal fat removal. Because if you look at first glance at someone that has buccal fat removal, you don't always know if they have had it. Especially if you don't have a comparison to what they have looked like in the past, it can seem like they just effortlessly look that way. The ways that the economy and the current world events influence our body, beauty, fashion trends is really profound and wild. I am, of course, not an expert on this topic because it wasn't my area of study. I know that there are people that do study this. I would love to have an expert actually come on the podcast and talk more about it because I find it to be incredibly, incredibly fascinating. 
But one more thing that I wanted to at least mention that goes along with this whole mindset around shrinking yourself, shrinking your body, shrinking your fat, is that we typically see times where women are pushing for rights be simultaneously a time where they are told to focus more on shrinking their bodies again. So a time when this happened is when women were pushing for rights to vote. Then we entered into the flapper era and it was one of the first times where we had women actually going into doctors, having this strong desire to lose weight, to shrink their body, to become smaller. And coincidentally, around the time of the pro-choice movement or all of the things that have been going on with abortion rights, we have also seen that the rise of heroin chic in popularity has been returning. And this is another way to have women be more fixated on something that is not the outside world. It turns them more internal in a way that is negative. It takes up their mental space. It serves as a distraction. Now, I want to mention with this, as I said, number one disclaimer, I'm not an expert in these topics. This is mostly self-study that I've done and looking at research, talking with other professionals. And number two, I'm not saying that this is a conscious effort. I'm not saying that there's someone out there that is saying, okay, you know what we're going to do? We're going to focus on buccal fat remover, buccal fat removal, and being smaller and have women focus on this. It's often something that happens very subconsciously. It's just a natural shift in these patterns. They all go together. And that's what I want you guys to recognize that lends itself to the bigger conversation about how we should look at body trends is that there are always going to be these types of changes and shifts in our world. And those are almost always going to reflect on the standards that we see for women's bodies. Is it effed up? Yeah, it is. It's super effed up. Does it affect men in the same way? No, it doesn't affect men in the same way that it does women. Is that sad to think about? Yes, it 1000% is. Is this another way that wellness gets us to spend money to feed into this bigger system to continually make us feel unhappy with ourselves and like we're never going to fit a standard? Yes, it also is. All of these things are connected that we've talked about in this podcast before, but also every part of this episode that I mentioned they all go together. It's no one's fault. It's no one's choice. It's just what happens. So then it begs the question, what the heck do I do when I know that these type of trends are always going to be there? And why do I always feel like I need to fit them? Well, I want you to consider for a moment that beauty standards are changing on purpose changing these beauty standards, they're a marketing technique. I know that that sounds so wild, but it is true. Every single thing is our society around these type of trends. It's a way to get you to consume more. They will always be unachievable because once you achieve it, then you would stop spending money on it. So even if you achieve something for a moment, there will be a point in time where that shifts and you no longer feel that you're fitting a standard, right? 
So these women, let's use the Kardashians. I know we always use them, right? They are a big driver of these type of trends. So Kim Kardashian, we saw her have the boob job. We had her have a huge BBL. She had filler, like more voluptuous features. Next thing you know, we started entering into this era. She got her BBL taken out. She got her boob job taken out. She has noticeably less fillers and she is much smaller than she was before. All of those different things are not a coincidence. She wouldn't be changing those just to change them because it's definitely not for herself, right? (laughs) So that is a way to see the example of how even Kardashian, who was the standard of beauty a few years ago, then also has to change her beauty to yet again fit the standard that is more similar to what we're dealing with now. The industry drives the change of beauty standards to lure you into products, clothing, procedures, supplements, anything that holds the promise of being one step closer to achieving the arbitrary set of beauty standards. And as long as the finish line keeps changing, you're going to keep spending money if you are subjected to this. So are the celebrities. And it is such a trickle down and also filter up effect. The celebrities do these things which make you feel like you need to do them, but also society does these things which can even make celebrities feel like they need to do them if people are commenting on how they look, their weight, whatever else it is. So to give an example of this outside of a body type of trend, let's look at a makeup product. So for example, 2022 was the year of quote unquote glass skin. A lot of that, you know, kind of glowy and dewy and that type of vibe. The perfect amount of dewy skin that looked freshly washed and somehow consistent, constantly, I mean, bathed in sunlight, even indoors, right? It was like this whole picturesque thing. Now, 2023 to, wow, I'm struggling. 2023, if I knew the year that we were in. Now they're already pushing to something different. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but I saw this on my TikTok feed. Literally, I think a few days into 2023. Cloud skin. It's the perfectly soft matte skin, but still holds dimension and has a light dew. It promises the soft glow without the almost wet looking gleam. It's been one year, guys. Literally one year. And they're already changing. The makeup trend is something different. They change every single year. And it's not a coincidence. And it's definitely not a coincidence that then when we see that type of past look on TikTok, people will be like, oh, you look so greasy. You look so sweaty. People are already so turned off by a trend that is months old. And now you have to go out and buy a new foundation instead of the dewy one that you just bought and spent money on. Now, again, I want to continually preface the fact that I'm not saying that everyone does this or everyone follows this. I'm saying that if you feel subjected to beauty trends and body trends to a high extent, you are likely to feel the pressure, if not act on the pressure, of these changing trends. Okay, with all of this being said, let's get back to buckle fat removal. And the more pressing question, the overarching theme of this podcast, which is, Why do I feel the need to fit every beauty standard and or what should I do to navigate these beauty standards always changing? 
I want you to ask yourself another question. If the finish line is and always will be moving further away from you, is that a race that you really want to enter? Do you really want to consistently be on an unfinishable marathon? Because when I think about it and put it in that way, I recognize that it doesn't sound worth it. Doesn't sound very satisfying or fulfilling. And it often feels useless to enter into this race, the body standard, beauty standard race that none of us can win. Now, I get that it's hard to not have the desire to achieve the current beauty standard. I get how hard it is to have comments from loved ones, to see people on social media and compare yourself to them, to feel like trends around clothes or hair or plastic surgery are fitting into that standard and you want to relate to everyone else. You want to feel good in the same things. You want to feel cute. Maybe you post on social media or you're an influencer and you feel like you need to follow those same trends in order to be relevant. I get that there are so many different reasons why it can feel really hard to not want to follow that standard, especially because Beauty standards promise external validation. And all of us, every single one of us out there, no matter how much we tell ourselves this may not be true, we want to feel accepted. We want to fit in. We want to be wanted. We want to be loved. Our desire as a human is to feel loved by others, to feel like we are good enough, that we are worth it, that other people value us. And it's hard to overcome the desire to fit into things that become entrenched in that. I talk about this all the time with my clients that are struggling with eating disorders or the relationships with food and body image and how When we feel like something is a prerequisite to us getting that validation, maybe it's given us that validation in the past or whatever else it could be, it makes it near impossible in that moment to think, I could get out of this. But the truth is, you 100% are able to opt out of acting on the pressure of beauty standards. Note that I say you're able to act, to opt out of acting on them because it would be unfair and unrealistic to say that you'll never feel the pressure of a beauty standard again. That is something that would be very hard for you to be able to control, for any of us to be able to control. And there may be times where you see a new trend, standard, surgery, whatever it is, and you feel that pressure there. But if you can change how you act on it, That is really the key because the race of trying to consistently fit a beauty standard that's impossible to fit forever is so much more challenging and impossible than it is to be in the race for working through the need for external validation from fitting a beauty trend. And you may, as I say that, think, okay, what the heck do you mean? Why would you say that? 
how is that even true, right? Everyone needs external validation or that seems impossible to get rid of. But when you really think about it, when we look at the race that has no finish line, we can see clearly why there's no finish line in sight, why it's always going to be changing. But if we look at the external validation finish line, we find that it's just that, a finish line. It doesn't move. You can decide what that looks like in order to help you to feel confident and feel your best and you can actually get there. It feels like it would be harder. And sometimes, you know what? It is. It's harder to really look at ourselves, to put in the mental work, the critical thinking, and be willing to step away from societal pressures because that is really challenging. It's not easy to feel like you try to step out and be the exception to the rule of the pressure because you have to be willing to be different in a way, whether it be in a small way or a big way. But when you think about the existence of continually having to spend more money to change your body, to buy the newest procedure, always finding the new surgery, the new filler to do, the new makeup to buy, which there's nothing wrong with buying new makeup, right? Let's make that clear. There's also nothing wrong with getting these surgeries. But if you don't want to do those things and you feel the need to consistently do them, then it brings up that question of, is this really easier than just working through figuring out what makes me feel my best? I want to make it very clear that in no way I am saying, there's, I am not in any way saying that I think that surgery is a bad thing. I also think that there are nuances to the differences between engaging in fashion, engaging in surgery, engaging in makeup trends, and that's a whole separate podcast that I would like to have. But if we were to just try to put it on a more simple playing field and ask ourselves, how the beauty standards consistently changing affects us and how something like a buckle fat removal coming into the trend makes us feel. It really just shows us that no matter what we do, there is always going to be some other procedure, some other makeup, some other trend, some other type of fashion, and it is our choice whether or not we want to engage in that, but you should ask yourself, am I doing this for me? Am I doing this because I really love it? Or am I doing this because I feel pressure from society, pressure from other people that aren't myself, and a need for external validation on how I look, even in a way that maybe I don't like, you know? Like, am I falling too deep down this rabbit hole of doing things for society that is only going to then change the expectations that are quote-unquote good enough in a very short amount of time. When we take it back to buckle fat removal itself, this whole procedure is so interesting to me because of the fact that we know that this trend is going to change, but this procedure isn't easily reversible. So, When we were talking about filler earlier, although there have been complications to filler dissolve, like dissolving your filler, it is possible. Same thing with a BBL or a boob job. Even if they're challenging, they are still reversible. But you can't get back the way that you looked before 
your buckle fat removal. You can't put back the same fat that you had before. And so it makes me think about and wonder how people are going to feel once they get to a point where the trend is changing again. Because it will. It always will change, right? And it makes me curious to think, even if they get the filler or the fat grafts or whatever else it is, will they be happy with that decision of changing it to fit the current trend, even at the risk of, in the future, having effects that they really don't like? Especially keeping in mind the fact that when we remove these fat pads, fat pads, it can contribute to looking older, which I'm not trying to say is a good or bad thing. But if we put that into the context of societal obsessions, age is another one of those huge obsessions of like, don't look older, always look young, blah, 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 blah. So I wonder what celebrities will be doing when they're getting to that point where they can start to see the effects of even doing this procedure. So it brings up a very interesting just thought about what this is going to look like in the future, which is typically the case for any trending type of surgery, product, whatever else it may be. And whenever we look at fashion trends, makeup trends, anything, how often do we look back and then cringe? I cannot tell you how many times people talk about in life or on TikTok, social media, they look back on old trends that they were doing and think, oh my gosh, why was I doing that, right? Well, imagine that being your body. So here's the thing. Ultimately, plastic surgery and all beauty choices are deeply personal. And I please, please, please want you to know I am not in any way judging any type of person that has surgery, that gets filler, that does anything, literally anything. My belief is that a person's body they're the only one that knows their body intimately. They're the only one that knows themselves as intimately. And I am in no place to ever judge that choice. And that's not the point of this podcast. The point of this podcast is that as a professional, I see the effects that procedures and trends have on my clients and other people, especially young women. And I want to put out information that helps people to think critically about if this choice is right for them. And if you listen to this whole podcast and you said, you know what, I want buckle fat removal, I'm not judging you. I'm not telling you that's wrong. But I hope that at least you have the perspective of what could happen in the future, how you could feel, and you can take all of that into account so that you have total confidence going into that decision. And all I would hope is that each and every one of you has total confidence whenever you opt in or opt out of a trend, whether it be a nutrition, body, beauty, fashion, whatever it is. So if you choose to follow this, I understand and support that. If you listen to this and it gave you a different perspective that you thought, you know what, I was feeling pressure to do X, Y, or Z, and now I don't feel that pressure. That's awesome. I support that. Whatever you took away from this, I hope that it was just helpful and that it gave you the ability 
to perceive the situation with more depth and with more information than what diet culture and consumerism culture throws at you because they don't often say what the risk could be. They don't often give the things that could happen. And when you don't have a full understanding of everything that could happen psychologically, physically, mentally, emotionally, then it's very hard to make a truly clear and concise decision. Now, I know that these type of podcasts can be a little bit uprooting, can feel a little controversial, but it wouldn't be me doing my duty if I didn't have podcasts in there like that. If you hated this podcast, I'm just kidding. I really hope you didn't. If you loved this podcast, I would love to hear from you in a review on Apple or Spotify. If you have thoughts on this podcast, please feel free to shoot me a DM. I would be more than happy to chat with you back and forth, answer questions. If you have thoughts on what you would like to see for future podcasts, I actually have a page on my website where you can submit topics and that is a really easy way to make sure that we see them. I do typically get back to most of all of my DMs, but Instagram can be weird sometimes and you just never know when they're going to delete something or whatever it is. So if you want to ensure that we see it, we always go through and look at all of those podcast suggestions. And I really appreciate you listening today. I typically do a rating from one to 10 or zero to 10 on how diet culture something is. It doesn't really feel appropriate when it comes to plastic surgery, just because I don't feel like it's my place and I would never want someone to feel like I am telling them that something that they did with their body is a certain number of diet culture. Maybe that's just a weird mental hang up for me personally, but I just really want to always make sure everyone feels respected in this podcast. So I really hope you enjoyed listening and I'll see you guys next time. Bye.